Comparatively, the topic of today's episode receives much less attention than a lot of other wedding topics. If you do a quick little Google search, you'll see a couple of articles sporadically published over the last couple of years. After all, there really is nothing glamorous, sexy, or marketable about the post-wedding blues. On this episode of the Put a Ring on a Podcast, we're here to tear the veil off, pun intended, yet again, of the wedding blues and help you prepare for it and navigate through it. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the second season of Put a Ring on It Podcast, a collaboration between me, Daniel Moyer of Daniel Moyer Photography, and me, Danielle Pasternak, wedding coordinator of DPNAC Weddings. Put a Ring on It is a podcast for anyone who is knee deep in the wedding planning process. We're here to share practical tips, amusing behind the scenes stories, and insider knowledge to shed light on the world of weddings and give you every ounce of confidence that you deserve. Let's do it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Danielle. I feel like we should start off this episode in a very blue and melancholy manner. A very calm way. I think yeah. I think is fitting for this episode. Yeah, well, so everybody, welcome to episode 15. This is our second episode of season two. And today we're talking about um, post-wedding blues. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, I think this is a pretty serious topic and probably a pretty serious episode. But before we really start unpacking it, uh, we just want to say that, you know, we're not psychiatrists, we're not psychologists. We are just sharing this information as two wedding pros who really care deeply about our couples and their well-being. Um, so this advice is not meant as a substitution for seeing a, a licensed mental health care provider. So if you are struggling with depression or just a funk that you can't get out of, take the time to consult with a real professional and get help. You are worth it. Definitely. So post-wedding blues, it's it's a real thing. And, and like Dan said, it is a serious topic. And it's something that we we want to we wanted to talk about on today's show when Dan and I were sort of um, tossing out ideas for what we wanted to talk about for this season. Both of us were are really passionate uh, about this topic in particular. And while we know it's a very serious topic, we're, we're going to have fun and it's going to be the same old Put a Ring on It podcast uh, co-host that you see um, throughout this whole thing. So we want to um, let you know that it's a very serious thing, but we want to just have a real talk about it, too. Yeah. So, Danielle, how would you define the post-wedding blues? So I think, uh, you know, there's there's probably a very uh, specific definition. The way I look at it is as you go through the wedding planning process, um, it's all very big things that are happening to you, uh, big life chapters that are happening. And once the wedding happens and the wedding is over and the honeymoon is over, things sort of go back to quote unquote regular life. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes really hard for a lot of individuals to sort of deal with that and cope with those feelings. Yeah. It, I mean, if you think about this, like you're, you're planning this huge event, you know, this once in a lifetime event and there's a huge time investment 
Um, I think you said it best, Danielle, when it's like, it starts off slow, you know, so when you first get engaged, you're like kind of slowly diving in and then it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And then, you know, the week before the wedding, that's all it is. Like you're, you're just like so engulfed in this world. And then all of a sudden after the wedding, it just gets chopped off. Like, and you know, this is a day that you're thinking about for, you know, for some people, it's a couple years that you're thinking about this for. Um, so when, you know, this whole thing gets chopped off and after the honeymoon's over and you get back into real life, that that real life can be anticlimactic for a lot of people. Yeah, it's just tough. I think, too, uh, it's it's similar, but on a much smaller scales when you plan like a big vacation, like whether it's a family vacation or a, a girl's trip or a guy's trip, whatever it is. Once that vacation comes, you're so excited for it for weeks. You're looking forward to it. and You put all these plans into it. Vacation comes and goes and then you're back to work that next Monday and you're like, wow, okay, when's the next vacation? With yeah. the wedding, I feel like it's on a much larger scale, but you don't necessarily start thinking, okay, well, when's the next wedding? Let me start planning the next wedding because, you know, chances are, you know, you might plan like a vow renewal or something, but that's sort of your like one and done type scenario. And it can emotionally, I think, really hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, so let's like unpack this idea a little more of like of why they happen. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got like you know a, a story of one of my past couples who um, had a lot of very quick life changes after the wedding. They ended up moving you know really really far away, um, and she had this uh, what is it called when you oh residency? She had this long term residency for a year, um, and I got this email from her right after I sent the wedding collection. And this is a fairly tame example, but. Right after I sent her her wedding collection, she was like, I cannot thank you so much. I was in this funk for the last two months just because there's just been all these changes and, and life is not held up to the same expectation of before the wedding. And um, she said, You're, the wedding photos just allowed me to relive the day, allowed me to to bring some closure to like these post-wedding blues, this this kind of hole that I felt after the wedding and thinking that, you know, life was going to be this so much different, you know, and now that mm -hmm. I have all this time back. And I think for a lot of couples, life definitely changes, but you don't become a radically different person or a yeah. radically different couple. Like you're mm -hmm. still you're still the same couple that you were before you got married. Now you have this really cool title, um, you know, attached to it as well. But it's 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 I think I'm a person that really has high expectations for change and how wonderful it's going to be. And sometimes yeah. when it comes, it's like, OK, I set my expectations way too high and I'm still me and I'm not like <laughs> somebody entirely different. But it is yeah. what it is. And it's um, it's it's a lot, I think, sometimes for people to deal with. And I think. No, finish that thought. I don't think I had one. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, well, while I was doing some research for this article, um. I came across just a, a few online articles and some of the big, the big, you know, networks out there. There was one on the Knot, there was one on HuffPost, and one on uh, ABC News. And the ABC News article, uh, a, a psychiatrist, Shannon Kolakowski, I think her name was, um, basically said this: that the post-wedding depression is very real. Many people, both male and female experience the post-wedding time period as anticlimactic. All of the planning, attention, and I'll share a little bit about this idea of attention, um, and excitement is over. And the research shows that the first year of marriage is one of the most difficult adjustment periods in marriage. In combination, it can lead to depression. Now, after our wedding, 
it was definitely this idea of the attention being over. Like that was that was mm-hmm. what got me um, down at first. So like for the first couple of months, I just remember thinking like, all right, well, what do we have to look forward to next? You know, like I, I, I it's no if anybody anybody listening knows me, I like to be the center of attention. I'm you know I'm pretty outgoing. I, mean, I don't think you, <laughs> Danielle, you're like smiling, nodding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, I was thinking, like, wow, this was great. I, we, you know, the love that we felt for the day was so amazing. And, uh, you know, we, we got to be the center of attention. We got to be king and queen for a day. And I, I couldn't think of another day that was going to compare to this. And now this day is past. And, like, I, uh, that seriously was my first thought. I was like, what are we going to look forward to next? After we got back from the honeymoon, which was amazing and stuff. It's like, what do we have to look forward to next? And I think what we're going to go into after this is like, how you can avoid them. But one of the things that really helped me was just continuing to look forward to things like, you know, planning some of the, uh, some of the parties that we have, like a Halloween party and a new year's party and that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, we'll get a little bit more into like how you can avoid them. But, um, yeah, like just the lack of attention and the lack of, uh, or the the amount of planning that we had to do and then all the time that we got back really just threw me off balance. So I, I think that's interesting you say that, Dan, because I, I think it's, um, as a society, I wouldn't be surprised if most people said, well, yeah, the bride probably feels like this major uh, void after the wedding. But I think, like you just said, as well as that ABC News article, is that it's it affects men and women. It affects both mm-hmm. people in a relationship, uh, probably differently, just because you know, just by na- by nature, we're different creatures. But it's it's definitely one of those things that it's going to affect everybody. I think in mm-hmm. different ways. So you yeah. are you are I agree. You are definitely a person who you get energized by that type of attention. Whereas I think I'm a little bit more of an opposite. I charge when I'm all by myself and sort yeah. of in the in the quiet shadows of the world. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that that you say that. I, I never really supposedly thought about it from that perspective because it's not really how I naturally think. But that mm-hmm. is a really good point that you really do have a lot of attention on you. I mean, it's it's a time in your life where you get to make all these big decisions and you sort of get to pull the card that like well it's my wedding and and I get to make this decision and spend this money and and yeah this is like a very powerful feeling yeah I remember uh Joe our wedding photographer who's a a good friend of mine um he I dropped him off at the salon in the morning uh after he came back to the hotel and I dropped him off um and he turned around and looked at me and said don't be afraid to tell what people what to do today and I just remember like not not taking that to you know, like to be a groomzilla, but just like I you know, <laughs> I like to be a good host and that kind of stuff. And he was gently reminding me that, you know, it's 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 a day that, you know, is for Rachel and I, and we have all these people coming around us. So to not be afraid to, you know, play that card a little bit and to to really own up uh to people wanting to give me a good day as well, to people wanting yeah. to do things for me. Right. I always uh, one of my favorite things to do at the end of the night or even throughout the night at a wedding uh, as a planner um, is to see all of the people who are close to the couple 
uh, you know, the couple in the spotlight at that wedding, mm-hmm. they sort of feel like, okay, I'm the one like talking to the bride at this moment. Like, totally. okay, this is like a really cool thing. <laughs> like, I remember when I was little, um, there's a thing in northeastern Pennsylvania and the other parts probably of the world, too, that uh, you do this dollar dance where everybody pays a dollar or whatever to oh, dance yeah. with the bride. And I have a vivid memory of being at my cousin's wedding and I thought she looked like Cinderella and I was just in awe. And I remember paying my dollar to go dance with her. And like, I remember being like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. I'm totally <laughs> dancing with the bride right now. Like, and she's my cousin. Like, I've seen her on many other occasions. But in that moment, I felt like, you know, the, the Beyonce's best friend. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's it's an interesting like uh, glow that comes about that couple that day that they become like the rock stars and the the uh, you know the it the it couple to be with. Yeah, and on the opposite side of that, being on the opposite side of that, mm-hmm. you get to take all that in. You know what I mean? Like, I, like it's it's a it's good, good thing feeling. to be able to take all that in. It's a really good feeling knowing that like you're king and queen for a day, and you know generally within reason that. Um, you know, whatever you ask for, people want to take care of you and they want to love on you and all that kind of stuff. And going back to the topic of today, like after after this amazing day is over, there's a there can be a crash, you know, and um, it's just so talking about this really will help you just be prepared for it. That uh, makes me think of something mm. interesting that I think um, for a lot of my couples, a lot of my my typical clients are usually in their 20s, 30s, um, and really at a point in their lives where they're not only getting married, but they're also attending a lot of weddings themselves. Yeah. And I think um, what I find is that they sort of have this uh, jealousy or not like not a major jealousy, but they definitely mm-hmm. have feelings when they're attending other weddings like, oh, I wish it was me again and all this stuff. And maybe, maybe a lesson to learn is to take all of those experiences that you had as a, as a bride or a groom and say like, what did I really enjoy about like, what was I enjoying people doing for me or saying to me or doing whatever? Mm. And maybe take that with you as you go into other weddings and like bring a drink over to the bride and be like, Hey, I saw your drink was low. I thought you could use that. And maybe they would really appreciate that. Or, you know, all those little things you could do throughout, throughout the day just to make, you know, make their lives also feel good. Like take those little moments with you and and do whatever. Cause I guarantee you it'll make you feel good too. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I got a little off topic there. No, no, that was good. That was good. That was a very nice sentiment. That is a really good idea. Yeah, that's just a good idea. Let's <laughs> go. So, Dan, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about how you can avoid the post wedding blues. All right. So, I think the first thing is definitely to just knowing about them is is preparation in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as so as a photographer, I'm going to. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but I'm going to suggest refraining from overloading on every little wedding picture that pops up on social media. Um, again, maybe this is a biased thing that I'm putting out there, but I think that saving yourself for when the full wedding collection comes back out, when you receive your full wedding collection, are able to to go through it and relive it all as one kind of full full collection the full story um and you know if you have a videographer that's going to help as well um i just think that is a a way better way to to view and relive your day rather than it being piecemeal and random parts throughout the day that people have posted and potentially desensitizing yourself a little bit to some of the photographs that you may end up seeing in your full collection 
That's true, too. And I I think um, it goes without saying, I've definitely seen pictures of myself posted on the Internet, on social media that are not a flattering angle or I wasn't expecting a picture to be taken. I wasn't paying attention. So it's sometimes like, oh, my gosh, I look like that versus what you're going to get from your more professional photographer should be a whole other a whole other ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in another uh Another article that I read as as we were planning for this, uh, it was actually on the Huff Post, and it was authored by the Bitchless Bride. That's actually who it was authored by. Um, mm-hmm. She said, "You did such a great job planning your wedding. Every detail was thought out. Every piece was in place. So continue that momentum and make some plans for after the wedding. Be proactive, not depressed. Got it? <laughs> it's a good article. Uh, we're, it's a really we'll, good article. I'll link to that too in the in our show notes so that you guys can all go back in and check it out because I, I read through it and it's it's got some good information. It's very you know jovial and and it's not a very serious thing, but it's it's good it's a good read. Yeah, that it, that was a really good article. And one of the things that I took from it, especially from that little quote that I shared, um, is this is is keeping up that momentum to plan things for after the wedding plan couple things to do. Um, and I've said, you know, as I was sharing some of the story from, you know, after our wedding, we we like to be hosts. So we dove right into planning some of the little shindigs that we have after after we came back from our honeymoon and stuff. And one of those was a big Halloween party. Um, we had uh, our New Year's party that we did. We planned a huge Harry Potter themed uh, a birthday for Rachel, my wife, uh, which was, you know, like the February after we got married. Uh, so it's like we, we just had a lot of things to look forward to and a lot of things to plan and a lot of uh, time to be good hosts and, and just keep people happy. Um, and that kind of took my mind off of this idea of like, what do we have to look forward to? Um, I, I So it's interesting you say that dance because I think that really falls in line again with the fact that you are a little bit more extroverted and and like that. I, I don't want to say you like that attention because I feel like that potentially has a negative um, negative vibe to it no, but it's, it's safe it's, to say it's a, i do like that attention <laughs> yeah but like I, yeah i mean that from like a good place is that you you really you really charge off of being around people and and entertaining and being this wonderful host so it's it's interesting how your your thought is to go to like continue hosting these events and birthday parties whereas i think mine goes more towards um how can i maybe do some more intimate things one-on-one with my partner like maybe yeah. we're joining uh, a bowling league or a, i guess that's not necessarily one-on-one or maybe we schedule date nights or mm. um whatever it is where we still make that that time to come together and talk about something or maybe you get involved in like a volunteer program or you yeah. know there's so many different things that you can do that are based on your personality that I think you have to find what sings like what sings to both of your hearts. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the things that I actually modeled after my parents um was instituting a date night. It was after our wedding we did every Tuesday, every other Tuesday night was our date night. Um, and that just meant that like through the craziness of it all, we got to come back together. And we also instituted this thing called the love tank where I would ask Rachel and she would ask me, you know, on a scale from one to 10, where's your love tank at? And if it, if it was anything less than a 10, we had to ask, you know, how, how can I make it a 10? And that just like really kept us, you know, kind of checked and balanced. Um, my parents, after they got married, oh, they're so super cute, uh, you know, back when they got married, they would they diners, I guess, were the big thing, you know, between them and all their friends. So they would they come up with a theme for the evening and on their date night, they would say, OK, the first diner that we see with 
pink neon lights. We're going to stop at that one. Or uh, the first diner we see with a black and white checkered floor. The first one we see with like mini little jukeboxes on the tables. We'll stop at that one. And they would just drive around to try to find new diners. And part of the process was like them talking through in the car and them talking through dinner and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, you know, that's the kind of stuff that uh, we that like I, I wanted to make sure that we came back to. Um, and for Rachel and I, it was pizza, not so much diners, you know, but we uh, <laughs> pizza and Olive Garden, which, you know, we we love way too much. But, um, you know, I think the point is just to keep it interesting um, and stay focused on your significant other. I think when um, when you hear couples that have been together for a while and you say like, yo, what's the secret to to making it, you know, last and when people say like relationships take work, when they say that, that's oh, yeah. the stuff that they're talking about. The like your parents didn't just like, like I don't know how to say this, but like they took the time to plan out. Like, hey, let's come up with this plan to to find these these little these little j- diner gems and. Yep. It, it that's not something that like they read online like they didn't google back then you know they mean to find this information <laughs> right. they sort of sat down between the two of them i imagine and and talked it out and said you know let's let's do this and that's what when people say like relationships take work that's the crap that they're talking about is yeah. it's not that it's it's hard work it's that you have to work at it and you have to make plans to do things and otherwise it's it's so easy i think to to uh let other things take priority and if you don't set a time aside that time or that that moment it it can easily just quickly keep passing you by yeah and without getting too mushy gushy here um my three favorite areas of like like emotional closeness or or like you know making sure that i'm giving a lot to rachel is the three t's um touch talk and time uh, and those are the three things that I feel like uh, that I need to make sure that I I give to Rachel. Just spending, you know, time talking to each other, not texting, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, putting my arm around her. I'm very much energized by like her keeping, like rubbing my back or you know my my arm being around her. Um, and then time, obviously, just quality time together uh, and just just being together. I love that those three T's, and that mm-hmm. that fills up Rachel's love tank. Yeah. So I, I think that gets into a little bit about like the the five love languages that exist yeah. in the world too, which is probably a whole other episode that we can get into talking about. But yeah, I think it's it's really about communicating with your partner because as you go through the process, you're going to realize you know different little things and nuances about each other that are that make you a couple, and it, it's important to recognize that. And it doesn't stop after the wedding. You it it all of those traits about you keep going after the wedding, and it's. It's it's really important to not forget that I think or lose sight of that. Like you're 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 not changing who you are ultimately. Yeah. Um. The book you mentioned, the five love languages, is uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, and that book is is really incredible. If you've never read it before, um, I highly suggest it. And I actually think we mentioned it last season in I one agree, of yeah. the the. the the not so named tips or the th- the unnamed tip section that we could never figure out what we we're going to call oh, it. Yeah. That's um, right. yeah, Five Love Languages by Dr. Garrett Chapman, really really awesome book. Okay, Dan, so so what are what are some other ways that we can uh recommend to avoid them? What are some other ideas you have? Well, um one of them I would say is obviously just going through your wedding photographs. Look through them <laughs> and just like, what? <laughs> I mean, is that like a canned response? Is that does that sound a little silly for me to say that? <laughs> no, I think it's safe to say that you are a wedding photographer though. <laughs> uh really? Um Yeah, I mean, I you know, allow that's one of the things I think that is a really great strength of photography over any other media is that like 
you can allow your mind to kind of like embellish the moment a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if you, as you're looking through them, you can you can say like, wow, like that was such a big moment rather than it being the exact record of what it was. You can kind of remember it a little better. Um, and speaking of remembering it, uh, the second thing I would say is, you know, how you look through your wedding photographs, which would be you have to create an album. So create an album with your photographer. I mean, go through that process and like enjoy like narrowing it down your favorites and putting it in this album that is supposed to last, you know, hundreds of years since it's printed by a professional lab and all this kind of stuff. It's supposed to last a really long time. So just enjoy the process of like making that album with your photographer, getting it and then, you know, looking through it every once in a while and allowing those like awesome memories to come back and just flood your mind with all the things that you were seeing, feeling, smelling, tasting, all the love that you felt in that day. Allow all that just to come back, you know? That's uh that's interesting you say that, Dan. I uh I'm one of those people that when I, I, it's not often that I'm having my picture taken. Uh, and when I am having my picture taken, I always try and like make a mental note that like, okay, this is what I'm thinking right now in this moment. And when I see this picture, I'm going to remember that this is what I'm thinking. Most of the times I forget. But <laughs> I think it's always interesting to sort of be like really mindful yeah. of like, what you were feeling in that moment because so often I especially today I think we live in a world that has a lot of like pictures being shared with us on Facebook and Instagram and I so often look at it and go oh I wish I was doing those cool things and then half the time yeah. I really am doing those cool things I'm just not taking pictures of it um so I I, I sometimes feel like oh well I, I wish I did those <laughs> things and it's like oh Danielle you did do those things you idiot <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't take and post a picture of it but you know it's 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 one thing to to see a picture from it, but then to also really be in the moment and be like, this is where I'm at right now. I'm not thinking about what's coming five minutes from now. I'm not thinking about what's happened. I'm just very in the moment in this in this thing. And then to look at that picture and be like, you were just enjoying that moment there. It's, it's cool. I call that with all my couples, I call that uh, surveying their land. Um, oh, yeah, you said you said that before. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to go through before it again because I, I, I really love this analogy of like I meant you said that like to me before. I feel like I've heard you say that with couples. I, with I think couples I did. Say, I think with. we did say it once on the on the podcast. But OK, well, let's um, let's talk. Let's unpack it. Let's unpack this. Hey, you have been saying, um, oh, that's really interesting, Dan. I'm pretty sure every single time that you've started your conversation, you've been like, oh, that's really interesting, Dan. That's oh, interesting. Man. You say that. <laughs> oh, really, really. <laughs> anyway, really, really bad um, to me. <laughs> surveying your land. Um, I really love the idea of like thinking about the wedding day as like being on top of a mountain. So like if you're an outdoorsy person or go for a hike or whatever, you do all this work to get to the top of the mountain. And then what do people do when they get to the top of a mountain or the top of a hike or whatever? They They hike back down. They like, (laughs) they do hike back down. But before that, they like (laughs) puff out their chest and they like breathe it in and they look around and they take in the view. And I think that is why a wedding day goes by so fast is because we're constantly looking forward to the next thing. So if you just at every moment of the day when there's like when finally for the there's like a second where the attention is not on you, if you can just survey your land, look around, you know, maybe behind your sweetheart table and look around at everybody else, just like talking amongst themselves, people catching up and all that kind of stuff. And then here's this person next to you who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, who's like the most meaningful person in the world. If you can just like breathe it in, take a mental snapshot and survey your land. That's the kind of stuff you're talking about. We're remembering, remembering the picture, remembering what you felt when you see that picture. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, those are the kind of moments where you like survey your land. Yeah, that's true. That's really interesting, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. 
goodness gracious. All right, so let's talk about, so you're talking about photography. I guess uh, once once the wedding happens, you know, throughout that process between your shower and your actual wedding day, you're going to be receiving a lot of gifts and love and cards and whatnot. So I think uh, another fun thing you could probably do with your partner, I mean, fun's maybe a relative term in this sense, would be to sort of go through and organize all the things you got and maybe maybe get rid of the old sheets that you have because you were gifted a set of new sheets or, or go through things and, and, and see what you want to keep and what's, you know, maybe of yours that you need to pass along to somebody else or donate or get rid of or burn or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very very fun fresh start uh i don't know about you every time i clean out like a closet or a cabinet or something it's always like a good feeling you know to sort of go in there again and be like ah this is this is nicely organized although that's that's how i live i have to have organization <laughs> clean slate <laughs> yes oh yes what a great word that is yes a clean slate if you sure. will yeah and you do have a clean slate after the wedding that's a good analogy right. um and right. it's whatever you make of it um right exactly it's it's so exactly it uh, so so we're doing all this talking about, you know, how to avoid them and all that kind of stuff. Why do you think that it helps just knowing that the post-wedding blues can happen? Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, so uh, as an introverted person, I tend to, especially I, I just turned 31, so I'm really at an age where I'm learning how I function in, in all of this. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really finding in my life, um, because by nature I'm also a very anxious person, I've always had just a, a higher level of anxiety than most of the people I'm, I'm around. So I think what I found is that if I can sort of be aware of the possible outcomes, that if those possible outcomes happen, I feel like I'm a little bit more prepared for it. Um, yeah. Um, I, you know, recently I was in, um, our, I, uh, Mike and I, my partner, Mike, we were in a very long distance relationship. And when we finally sort of combined our lives and moved in together, I was really nervous that things would really change and, and how all these different things would happen. And uh, him and I sat down and talked about all the ways these that our relationship might change. I work from home and I was really worried that I would feel lonely being home all day by myself, even though where I lived before I lived by myself. And I was <laughs> I was by myself all day. But I really had all these thoughts that when it came time for us to actually move in together and we did because we talked through so many of the things I didn't experience a lot of the feelings I was worried about. And I think just being aware of them and mm -hmm. knowing that, well, if that happens, I will do this or I will do X, Y, and Z to, for myself to maybe help myself work through them. I think just knowing who you are as a person and knowing how you need to work through stuff is such a huge part of it because everyone really reacts differently to different situations. And I always say you can't control everything that happens, but you can control how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And if you go into it with like, okay, you know, I might feel a little bit blue after my wedding and and that's going to be okay. It doesn't mean that this relationship isn't what it's supposed to be. And it doesn't mean that we're not good partners. It just means that we planned a big event and now we don't have a big event to plan and we're feeling a little bit of a void. What can we do together? Yeah. Or what can we do for myself? Maybe I need to spend some time just doing some like yoga or, or massage or, or kickboxing or whatever it is to sort of get you back to feeling like yourself. And I think each person really reacts differently and each person knows their what they need in order to feel back to feeling like themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, for a personality like yours, just like knowing that all of a sudden you have a whole bunch more time 
It's like mm-hmm. you're saying, like there's this there's this clean slate. It's like I can do whatever I want. I can finally, you know, have the time to go to my spin class in the morning. I can have the time to finally have a date night with my significant other. You know, it's like mm-hmm. just um, look at it as a positive. Look at it as a positive and just it's mm-hmm. whatever you make of it. Exactly. Yay. A thousand percent, I agree. <laughs> a thousand times. Totally. A thousand percent. A thousand totally. times. Yeah. 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 That's really, that. really awesome. <laughs> Danielle says, says that I say really, really a lot, which mm-hmm. I don't see it, but maybe I do. Yeah. It's not I at really, the point really of being annoying. You really, really don't see it. Yeah. No, no. You really, really do. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I hope, I, I guess I hope that what we're talking about today, Dan, that people sort of take it and and digest it and do with it whatever they can so that as they enter into that first year of marriage that they feel like they feel a little bit more prepared and a little bit more um, ready for the potential feelings that are going to be coming at them because I think so many people talk about like oh you're engaged and oh it's going to fly by and all this stuff and it a it really does fly by uh, and and b you want to you want to be ready for what's next beautiful nailed it nailed it so speaking of stories, this week we're, wait for it, unveiling, pun intended yet again, I know, sorry, our new segment, Something Borrowed, Stories and Advice from Fellow Couples. Yeah, so this week's wedding story um, comes from a former client of mine, and I'm actually, I'm so happy she called in with this awesome bit of advice. Hi, Danielle, this is Lane. Um, I'm calling from outside of New York in New Jersey. I once heard from someone who had recently gotten married that he and his now wife were getting into a bunch of small fights in the months leading up to their wedding. I am now two weeks away from my big day, which is surreal to say, by the way, and I can totally see how all of these little fights can happen. There are so many decisions to make and so many other people's opinions to take into consideration with every little thought. Since I heard my friend say that, I've made such an effort with my fiancé to make sure that we are really listening to each other, having fun, and enjoying these last couple weeks before becoming husband and wife. I don't want to waste a sacred day of our engagement recovering from a fight about feeding food or something really small along those lines. I'm making sure to enjoy every little minute that we have left of the engagement. Thanks. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hope you guys took something away from that, had a little takeaway from it. Uh, if you want to call in and share your story or words of encouragement with fellow couples-to-be, we would absolutely love that. So give us a call at 267-521-2686 or visit puttaringonapodcast.com slash contact. All right, you guys, we are wrapping up this episode. As you know, check out the puttaringonitpodcast.com website for show notes. We're going to have the links to those articles in there along with um, a few other tidbits, how to listen, things like that. Yep. Again, send us your wedding story at 267-521-2686. Just call in there or visit puttaringonitpodcast.com slash contact. Yeah, and it sort of goes without saying, if you're calling and leaving a voicemail, you might be shared on an upcoming episode, so just be mindful of that. But otherwise, we are loving all the stories that we're getting. Um, And as usual, like us on Facebook to keep in touch, ask questions, and get updates on Season 2. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Put A Ring On A Podcast, Episode 15. See you in two weeks. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.